beautiful country known over its long history for its trade routes, vast empires, and commercial and cultural wealth. But today, within its commercial climate, an evil trade thrives, the sex industry. In India, more than 2.3 million girls and women are believed to be in that sex industry. Women's rights organizations and NGOs estimate that more than 12,000 and perhaps as many as 50,000 women and children are being trafficked into the country annually from neighboring states for commercial sex exploitation. The United Nations reported that an estimated 40% of the prostitutes were below the age of 18. In the fall of 2007 at Timberline Church, the You Count campaign was birthed and a dream began. We could make a difference. Partnering with Project Rescue, we would help build a home of hope in Kolkata, India, providing a place of safety and refuge where rescued victims of sex trafficking could find freedom and new life. For three years, donations have come in, progress and plans have inched along, and miles of red tape in Kolkata have had to be crossed. The year 2009 saw the dedication of the property and the building plans finalized. And spring 2010 brought the moment we've been waiting for. The foundation has been dug, a Bible buried at its base, and construction has begun. We anticipate watching the buildings go up, but more than that, we will await the day that the construction of the buildings will be done and the rebuilding of lives can begin. Thank you, Timberline Church, for your prayers, your generous donations, and for providing a place of peace where shattered lives can find restoration and purpose in Christ, and a little girl can find her childhood once again. Good morning, Timberline Church. For those of you that are new, I am Bonnie Northrup, the founder of You Count Campaign. And uh, I just want to thank you for participating and supporting what we are doing through the work of You Count Campaign, Timberline's anti-human trafficking organization, working both locally and, as you just saw, internationally with Project Rescue. It is my profound privilege today to introduce you to a, an amazing young lady, missionary Rebecca Grant. And she is the founder of a ministry called Rescue Arts, working with Project Rescue bringing healing to survivors of trafficking and abuse. And if her name sounds familiar, it's because she is the daughter of David and Beth Grant, the founders of Project Rescue. Rebecca, you've lived in India, and um, I just want to ask you a couple things about the work going on there. You were actually at the dedication service of that property where the Home of Hope is going to be going up. Can you tell us what is the significance of this facility in the lives of women and children? In the video, you can see how green it is. There's tall trees and lots of grass. And a lot of these women and girls have never seen these tall trees. They've grown up in that red light district. It's all concrete. And they were just in awe of how beautiful it was. And I think that represents how this property and those homes are giving them value. And they see that they are worth having a place to be. It also gives them community. It's a family for them, a place that they always have to come back to at any point in their life. And I just feel like that's huge. That's amazing. Um, because of you, Timberline Church, you're providing sustainable income for many of the women and teenagers that you saw on that screen today because you're purchasing the products, the beautiful handmade products that we sell through Marketplace. 
Um, and these are, these are products made by these girls. And, Rebecca, you know these girls. You've worked with some of them. Do you have a story you could tell us about one of them? Chinu was born to a trafficked woman in the brothel in that red light district, and her mother died of AIDS at seven. When her mother died, she was caring for that mother, caring for her little baby brothers and sisters, and any little girl growing up in those brothels is being sexually abused and sold to customers just because she's there. So she was at such high risk when that mother died, and she was taken in by Project Rescue, taken into the evening care center. She began getting trained in making greeting cards, and you'll see these beautiful little greeting cards that Chinu and other girls make that's allowed her to make her own income and to care for herself. Thank you, Timberline, for supporting and buying those products. You are making a difference in lives. Tell us about Tina. I moved to Delhi in uh, two years ago, and at that time there was no Project Rescue, no Christian work in Delhi for trafficked girls to care for them. I met this 11-year-old little girl in the brothels in Delhi. She was with her mother who had been trafficked too, and the lady said, please get her out. She's being sold to customers. She's being abused here in this place. We rescued her to a Christian home. And that Christian home didn't know how to handle someone of her background, and they ended up sending her back to the red light district, to her pimp. At that point, we lost her. We didn't know where she had gone, and we realized there was a dire need for a project rescue home with staff prepared for girls like Tina. So this last year, we started the home in Delhi. We now have nine little girls in that new Project Rescue home from the brothels. And we rescued Tina this last February. She's doing well. She's 12 years old and a little leader in that home. Praise God. Uh, many of... Many of you right now are saying, how can I help? Well, the bulletin insert, the pink side, is answering that question. So please read that, not during the sermon. Um, But go through that detail. There's a lot of details there. Come out and see us in the mall. Rebecca will be there. Come find out what she is doing with the rescue arts and this incredible ministry she has. There's other tables as well. Students. The CSU chapters of International Justice Mission and Not for Sale campaign, they are out there. Go welcome them, meet and greet them, buy Not for Sale's Fair Trade chocolate. Um, Also, shop. Please shop. There's a face behind every one of those products. And I will end with uh, two events coming up. Please make note, next weekend is the International prayer and fasting weekend for uh, victims of sex trafficking sponsored by Salvation Army. We are actually having a one-hour community prayer. Um, Details again in your insert. And church, uh, the Christmas festival and home tour sponsored by Women's Ministries is the first week of December. Lots of fun. Please mark your calendars. All the proceeds go to Homeless Gear as well as UCount Campaign. Thank you, Timberline. Reza, could you come pray for Rebecca with me? Absolutely, absolutely. Church, would you join me as we just pray for her and her work? Father, we thank you so much for Rebecca. We thank you for her heart and the fact that she has responded to the call that you've placed on her. And in obedience, she has said that she would give her life away to the work that you want to do in India with these young girls. Lord, I just thank you that she is a part of Timberline, that she is representing the work that you are doing here in Fort Collins, but yet doing it in India as well. And so thanks that we can partner with what your heart is, Lord. 
So, God, I just pray a prayer of blessing upon her. Thank you for providing for her and bringing her here. And, uh, God, for this weekend that we can really focus on what it means to be people that care for those that you call us to care for. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.
you for your mercy. Wow. Lord, thank you so much that you do show your mercy and we can lay down those accomplishments in our lives, our crowns, and we can just simply offer them to you today. I thank you for this opportunity to worship you. I thank you for every worshiper in this building today, in both these auditoriums today, that we can be surrounded by your love and by your care. And open us up as we, over these next few minutes, talk about what it means to be a worshiper. Open us up to the reality of the discipline that takes and yet the joy it brings. I thank you for this in your name. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. We are having a wonderful weekend talking about worshiping our God and what that looks like. I decided, you know, if we're going to talk about worship, I need to invite Pastor Terry, our worship pastor, oversees all of Love Expresses. And uh, he's just done such a great job. And I'm not trying to embarrass you, Terry, but honestly, this guy loves God and he's passionate about it. He's a great leader. He's a leader worth following. I respect him a ton or I wouldn't have invited him to this team. And he's done a fabulous uh, job in leading us. And so today, if you turn your bulletin over, we want to talk a little bit about what it means to be a worshiper. Tonight at 630, we invite you back. Uh, this whole place is just going to be worship filled with just worshiping God, a variety of ways, different styles, no speaking, just singing songs and doing stuff that we don't always have the time to develop on a weekend. So I hope you'll be here. But I, I started thinking about what it means for us as as children of God, as people who walk with God. And if it's your first time here at Timberline, we respect your journey. So we want you to listen to and, and weigh into the stuff that we uh, are talking about today. I just realized I have my phone in my pocket. Now, I want to turn it off because I, I normally don't have it in my pocket. And I'm afraid it's going to go off right when you start talking or something. So that would be really embarrassing for me to have my phone go off when I'm speaking. Uh, that would be bad. But it's so essential because the, the greatest thing we can do as followers of Christ is to be committed to worship. Yes, we go. We talked about you count, going to India, building buildings, all the stuff we're doing. Yes, locally. We give, we care, we share, we're involved. But if I'm not a worshiper first, all of that stuff doesn't matter a whole lot. And so I think it's huge for us to say, how can I love and worship God with all of my heart, mind, body, soul, and strength? No, it's not on. I can't hear me either. <laughs> Somebody come help me. Yeah. Well, I'll keep talking while he's getting wired. Um, one, of the, one of the big things that we've talked about just in, in the area of worship is all the challenges that we have in the styles of worship yeah. and the issues that we face. Yeah. And uh, so what are, some, what are some things that you want to share, Terry, about worship well, in God's heart? You know, A.W. A. Tozer was an author and a pastor. And uh, he, wrote, he wrote some incredible books, Knowledge of the Holy. And in that book, he, he, he has a statement that I've, I've, I've lived with for years. And it's just been stuck with me. And it's this, that the most important thing about any of us is not what we say. It's not what we do. But it's what we think. And it's what we think when we think of God. So it's really important for us to kind of make sure that we understand that we're thinking rightly about God. So let's, let's just t- use this board. And uh, we'll, we'll put this big concept, name, word, thing, everything you want to, you know, that the world will call it God up here. And then we just let's think about what comes into your mind when that God comes into your mind. Pastor Jerry, what comes into your mind? Uh, the first word that came to mind was love. Love. That's a good one. God is love. Mm-hmm. So love would be the first one. You know, anybody else in this room? Just kind of shout it out. Father. I heard father. Creator. Anything else? 
Forgiveness. Like a forgiver. Thank God for forgiveness, huh? Yeah, I need that. You do. I agree. <laughs> five. We'll just move along. <laughs> Number five. What it? Caring. 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 He is. And these are all these really great things that, you know, I knew that you were going to say those things because these are really the things that in church we, we say about God. But, you know, what, what is interesting is I, I wrote a few of my own lists and, you know, and many of them were these. But I started to kind of remember my, you know, what I've gone through in my life. And uh, does it, has anybody ever thought about this word when they thought about God? Angry? Anybody? Anybody? I'm, here, I'm seeing hands shaking because you head shaking. And then two, how about, um, what's the word I have down there, Pastor Derry? Angry. Help this is your part. I don't yeah, know. this is your leave me. I'm <laughs> angry. Hey. How about scary? Scary, yeah. Thanks for nothing. Anyway, <laughs> that's scary. It's usually the case. You know, anybody have a, a scary concept of God uh, at times? I, I, I grew up, I'm the product. I went, I went to uh, like these evangelistic services. That's kind of my, it was my tradition growing up. And I'm the product of about 2,456 salvation altar calls. <laughs> Meaning that I was always scared of God. So I kept answering the altar call over and some people would say, oh, that's great, man. Just keep going till you get it, you know, and I, and I tried. And, and what I found out is that I was just so scared all the time of God that maybe I was missing the fact that he is love, that he is a father. He is a creator, forgiver. He is caring. And I so was wrapped up in this image of God that this image of God didn't live inside of me on a pretty consistent basis. Here's another one. You know, maybe confusing sorry i'm not writing as well as i'd like but confusing he's a he can be confusing right this world seems crazy sometimes and god's god he can do anything what's going on it's confusing and then this is my favorite have you ever had this is this is blank nothing when yeah. God comes into your mind, yeah. it's just nothing. So, you know, I think about that quote and it reminds me that, uh, that Tozer said that the most important thing about it is what we think. So then I come to this uh, word that we use a lot more now than we've ever used before, but it's not a new word. And it's definitely not a new concept. And it's the word default. It's what it's what is there unless we change it. Here's the here's the definition. An option that is selected automatically unless an alternative is specified. Let me just say it one more time. Default is an option that is selected automatically unless an alternative is specified. I have that in my life. So do you. We all have defaults where you can you think of someone right now that you, you're going to tell them something. And you go, oh, I'm worried about telling them this because I know how they're going to respond. Yeah. Why? Because that's their default response. You know what the first reaction is going to be. And we all we all do that. And so what happens is we need, when it comes to worship and our, our views toward God, sometimes we need to take a look at our default mode and then put that in check to God to say, is this what God wants? Or do I need a new default? And can he help me with that? So that's where we're going today. Romans 12, right. 1 and 2. Let's, let's look at Romans 12. It's a familiar passage. Open your Bible if you have it here. It will be on the screen as well. Paul says this to the church in Rome. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God... To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual, what? Worship. Do not be conformed to the world. And then this big statement. 
but be transformed, big word, by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable and perfect. The first thing we want you to write down in your outline is this. We present our bodies. We present our bodies. That's right. That's exactly what Paul says. Present your bodies, therefore. So how, how do I present my body? I was thinking about, like, you get up in the morning and go, how many of you have a body God does not want, basically? You just know. See, it, this is the kind of stuff that worries people like me. You think, okay, uh, this is scary. How do I... Terry, when, when we worship, you know, as we're as churches, even those on their journey right now, when we hear things and read things in the Bible, like present your body to God, what, what does that mean? Well, it really means that we can aim our physical actions, the things we do with these bodies, at the very heart of God. It's just what I mean by that is instead of thinking of... of of coming in maybe a place like this only, and we just kind of check off the list of we've worshipped God. There is no like past tense to that. It's this idea of we continue to worship God. We kind of kick out the boundaries of our walls and of our even our perceptions and realize that worship happens wherever we're at. That these bodies have now become the temple of the Holy Spirit. So that if we're in this room or we're in the foyer, we're at the coffee place or we're at our jobs or we're in our, at our homes, that God is still saying, wonder if I'm going to be worshipped. We still present our bodies as living sacrifices. A great, a great uh, illustration of this is in John 4. If you read that, there's a, uh, it's a story, a classic story of the woman at the well. And Jesus is just kind of hanging out at a well. And this, uh, this woman, who doesn't have a great track record of presenting her body as a living sacrifice to God, kind of walks up to him and begins to talk. And as, as he talks, he starts to, as she talks to him, she kind of starts to sense that there may be something more to this man. She's met a lot of men that weren't, that weren't worth very much. And this guy's a little different. He might even be a prophet. So I'm going to kind of ask about, um, you know, some, some theological questions that she's had in her mind. And so she asks, she's, you know, we worship in Samaria. She was a Samaritan. We worship on this mountain. But you Jews, you worship in Jerusalem. And which one's right? And Jesus says, well, technically, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but he says, technically, you know, the right answer is Jerusalem. You know, if you're going to do it, what God has said, you know, in true knowledge, that's what we do. But a time is coming and a time is now come when my worshipers, the worshipers that the father seeks, will worship him in spirit and in truth. Meaning they will kick out the walls of the idea that it goes, you go here, you go here and it happens. No, it happens Everywhere, And I think that's what Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians 10.30. He says, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. But what's important is if we're going to act rightly, if we're going to worship God rightly, we have to think rightly about him. So that's where we get into our second uh, blank for you to fill out, and it's renew. We renew. You can fill it in. We renew our minds. And we can aim our thoughts at God. We don't have to rely on the default. We can move forward and, and, and say to him that not just whatever comes into my mind is what I'm going to follow, but I'm going to begin to think rightly about you. I'm going to dig into your word, which is a group of authors. If you're not familiar with the Bible, a group of authors divinely inspired to speak about who God is, what he is, and what he thinks about us. And there's this incredible array of things for us to, to learn about. And one of those, uh, those scriptures is in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, where he says, take every thought captive so it's submissive to the very knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. And, and that passage, you know, take every thought captive. How many of you either have heard or learned that verse in the idea of when temptation comes, which is in context, 
that we take captive those thoughts and we, we don't have to go and sin, even when we're, right. when we're tempted. And that's a, an appropriate use of that verse. But it's more than that. Right. It's not just take captive my thought when I'm being tempted to sin. It's what if I'm in the middle of a worship song and corporate worship like we've had a while ago and I'm just daydreaming. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like, okay, God wants me to reach out and take captive this daydream and focus and be a part of what's happening corporately in worshiping my God with other believers. That's how this can also apply. And that's where it goes back to the default thing of sometimes I can just view, I don't like this song, I don't know the words anyway, or I, whatever. And I just disengage yeah. instead of pressing through. And saying, I'm supposed to be all here. I think of the process of some of you getting here today. Matter of fact, my office is on the west side and it's on the second level. And I can look right down at that whole parking lot. And I watched many of you walk in today. And I can like watch you get out of your cars. And it's so fun to see the fights that happen in, in marriages and people and, and trying to get the kids in here. I, I just I just changed my parking spot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a blast because they don't know I could see out. And, and I watch them. They're hauling all these kids and everything's happening. And mama's frustrated and dad's hardly talking. And, and they, they're walking in. And I see a dad down the hall here. I saw one. He had three pagers when they checked in their kids. He's got three pagers, you know, in case. And I'm thinking, man, this is this is a quality day. And and all the challenges of getting in here, getting the seat. And you had it perfect. You had like the airplane dream. No one was on either side. And then those people who came late just ruined it. And you had to move your stuff. And now now you're mad. And, you know, now you really don't want to worship. And it just goes on and on and on. And and with before you know it, we we become this default person who doesn't even know how to really express my worship to God. And all these things have happened. And suddenly Pastor Terry or worship leader stands up and says, let's worship God. And you're like, no. <laughs> so I think it's really important. The third thing in your notes is uh, we are transformed. Um, we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. I personally think this is a little bit of, of an elusive concept. I know what it means to a degree, but does that mean I'm transformed instantly? Mm-hmm. You know, does it mean I, this is a process of my whole life? Is it, is it both? How much of it is me controlling the transformation that I can change or God just changing me just because I love him and he changes me? I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, well, I think God can do anything. You know, we know that he's all powerful and, and we have all for that and that he can do things immediately. But I think in this scripture, he particularly is saying, look, this is going to take more than one time. He's going to say, you're going to have to continue to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Continue to renew your minds. You're not going to do it one time and, oh, my mind's renewed. Now I think great thoughts because we all have tried that before. And that's not the way it works. It's a continuation of saying, no, here's my body. I'm going to aim it at you, Lord, in my physical actions. Here's my mind. My thoughts are going to be aimed towards who you are. I'm going to believe what's true. And, and when we do that, we start, to, we start to find ourselves in this great position of being what the Bible calls God's will. And that just isn't this place where God uh, says, okay, now they're finally doing everything I said. There's, it's bigger than that. that oh, that's true that, that we'll get to that place, but it's bigger than that in that now they're finally who I've created them to be. Now they're finally seeing what life it could be when it's called abundant life, not just life. And, and that's in contrast to what uh, the Bible calls, in a lot of translations, it says, if we don't do that, if we continue to live by our defaults, that we won't be whole, that yeah. we won't be fully alive to God. What, what does all that mean in terms of like 
We're talking about a couple things today, you know, the corporate idea of worship and then also worshiping 24-7. What is that, as a worship pastor, what does that, what do these concepts mean in all these different venues that we have on a weekend? Well, I think that if we fail to uh, begin to say, I'm responsible for renewing my mind and I'm responsible for um, moving my body towards God in my physical actions, then we begin to just live, we end up living in our defaults. And that, what happens is that when we come into this room, the default becomes in worship. When in doubt, just don't. When in doubt, don't, don't press forward. Don't step into it. Don't clap. Don't sing. Don't do all these things that we do. I'll just sit here. Because everybody knows the, you know, the, the, the national sign for men in worship is this. We all, we all like, that, that's it. That's, that's our stance. And, and, and I think, I believe God's, the God is saying to us, you know, there's more when you don't live by your defaults. Yeah, I, I just want to say that one of the one of the things that we we know when we come together corporately like this is there's power in doing things together right. and in the unity and and the, the Israelites had things they did together and the, the shouts unto God, the lifting of hands, the when all, all these things. So we kind of we kind of put together like this, this list of just ideas. And so yeah. walk us through some of that. Yeah, and they're not exhausted. And I think what's important to say right before we, we jump into those is, is that, you know, there's this idea sometimes when we come in. I meant to add this to what we're saying is that is that there's this idea that we come in and we're the audience where you're sitting, that that's the audience. And we've, we've been real careful not to call that the audience when we talk about how we go about this worship thing. Because we're, because you're not the audience. God is the audience. And the people up here, they're not the performers. They're the prompters. I sit with, with so many of them, and there are a lot of them, and they just want to facilitate worship. They're not looking to make it about them. So they're not performing. They're just the prompters. Sometimes we wait for God to prompt us, and then I'll do it. And he's done enough to prompt us to worship for the rest of our lives. This cross what he's done on the cross and who he is. But, so what does that leave us out there? It leaves us as the people that the spotlight is on and God is saying, how will you worship me? So when we started to kind of write, write down these six, uh, these six things, they're, not, they're by no means exhaustive. They're not the only ways we worship. I, it was just some of the things that we, we, we see pretty commonplace here. And we wanted to kind of explain why that happens. And singing, obviously, is the first thing that, we, that comes to mind. And you can write sing down in that. And... And what happens there is that, uh, you know, singing, and you see it in the New Testament, you see it in the Old Testament, we have those scriptures, you see it in the history of the church over 2,000 years, that singing seems to be the way that we just what if, keep What if, like, you can't sing? Like, you, what if you just, you're, you're tone deaf and you just ha- don't have a chance? We're slowly weeding those people out of our <laughs> congregation. No, 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 this is a good, this is an important, that was awful. This is an important question. Um, you didn't know that? Because, because no, I, I don't know a lot of things around here. One of the things that happens is someone who's tone deaf, they, they, they tend to just want to be quiet. Talk about that. Someone who maybe can't, we joke around and say, just says, make a joyful noise, yeah. and that's true too. But address that for a minute. Well, you know, it, it, it all comes down to the question of who you're singing for. And if I'm sitting next to Pastor Derry, I'm not singing for him. And whoever you're sitting around, you're not singing for them. You know, God doesn't look at our mouths. He doesn't look at our throats in worship. What he really focuses down on is our heart. And so the things that you mean, and even if you can't, you're not a great singer, just sing it out. The Bible still the Bible doesn't qualify by saying sing unless you don't have a good voice. Right. It just says sing. Yeah, that's good. Sorry. That's good. <laughs> but it looks at your heart. Uh, another thing, the second one is just uh, clapping, clapping yeah. our hands. And again, 
uh, we're not a church that like wants to make everybody, but I want to address this. There's a lot of scriptural references to the clapping of hands, and I actually do enjoy clapping my hands, and I usually do. But I, I have to admit, I'd like for you to address this a little bit. I, I, I like, I'll be clapping my hands, but I, what annoys me sometimes, okay, just being honest, is worship leaders who like just constantly say, clap your hands, clap your hands, clap your hands. And I, I find myself just going, no. <laughs> I don't want to clap my hands. And you now. know that that's just rebellion. I know. You know that. <laughs> I know. It's a stubbornness. <laughs> and but I think all of us at moments have these things where maybe we're engaged. And yeah. so, what is the power of that moment when all of us together we we say we're we're going to clap our hands? We're going to be unified in this. Is that what it is? Well, I, the Bible talks about being in one accord, and that great things happen when we, as the body of Christ, we as believers, get together in one accord. But even physiologically, there there have been a lot of studies on on how singing and doing things together. And that's the key word is together. That when we clap together, when we sing together, it actually does bring us together. It puts us into one frame of mind. There's not many things that you can do that can put everybody into one frame of mind, one frame of heart. And we are trying to create a singular uh, worship experience to God from a body of people, not just a group of individuals. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, another way that it gets sometimes controversial is the Bible talks a lot, you know, often about lifting our hands. And you probably see that. And, you know, that's that's kind of an interesting way to worship. For some of us, I lift my hands. How many of you just never lift your hands in worship? Just not you. Just you just see. I got you. You're lifting now, it right now. Now it's everybody. Everybody lifts their hands. I like that. I like that. I well, this is funny things about this. And again, you know, there's not too many places culturally where you go and lift your hands. And yeah. and uh uh, yeah, I have a, a music pastor friend who was at a conference and he was, he was lifting his hands, singing a song, and someone came up to him right in the middle of the song, like, said, hey, you can't, you can't worship like that. And he's like, what do you mean? And they said, well, your, your palms are facing outward, going against God. That, that, that's resisting the spirit. You've got to turn your palms in if you lift your hands because then the spirit will come towards you. <laughs> crazy for, you know, for me, it's really more of an antenna idea when I worship. I kind of am just tuning in God and I get it right about here. And yeah, there he is. I got him. <laughs> so, put your antenna up. Maybe that's a, that's a way to look for it. I, I had a right. funny thing. I literally, um, someone here at Timberline, this is a couple of years ago, came up to me and said, is there something to that, the way you worship? I said, what do you mean? And they said, well... Well, you, you rock back and forth like this during the songs, and you, you tap your fingertips together like this. Is, it, is there something in the Bible about, is it like meditation, or is it... And I, I, I said, I do not. They said, oh, you do, honestly. Like the next yeah. week, honestly, I'm standing right over here, and we're singing a song, and I find myself going, whoa. <laughs> whoa, I mean, it's weird. Well, that is a little strange to me. <laughs> I don't know. No. It's no. just odd, Al. Oh, all these things. All these things. Next one. Bowing. Um, bow down. Just, just the visual. Okay? Let me just bow down. What, is, what does it look like if you know I'm going to pray and I just, I just bow down? Give me some words. Yeah. Humility. Um, you know, just submission. submission. Um, my family, I grew up in a home where we had a devotional for breakfast every morning. And, and my mom or dad would read a scripture and they would say, let's pray. And all of us turned around in our seats at the breakfast table and we bowed. And we just prayed and we said a prayer bowing down. I'm glad I have that. And I think there's something to that. And, and I realize you don't, sometimes you don't bow down because you don't want to draw attention to yourself and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I want us to have an environment in Timberline. And I know Pastor Terry does, Terry does as well where we're not trying to just 
bring attention to us, but right. if God prompts you to bow down or to lift a hand or to whatever, there just needs to be that freedom of expression without judgment to, to just follow what, whatever it is that God's putting in your heart. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that leads us to our fifth one, which is reverence and awe. As you write this down, you know, to bow down and to submit, you know, it, sometimes we walk around, we think God is just one great big hug trying to make my life feel better all the time. And, and what's awesome about God is, is that he does draw us near as we draw near to him. He is a warm father. He is this forgiver, all these great things. And yet he's also, you know, not not the same thing as scary as what I was talking about. But this this idea that he's high, he's lifted up, he's holy. He's a God who's other than us yeah. and yet he reaches for us last thing number six in your outline is uh to care about the experiences of others right you know uh, other people's experience in their in their worship because yep. it, it doesn't just boil down to your style like i have the opportunity on a weekend when i'm speaking to be able to see i love edge i go in saturday night to edge and it's just i feel at home there i I love the, the sense. I love it loud. I love it when it thumps my heart. And then I 8.30, I lead communion in traditions every 8.30 service. And, and I hear these hymns of the church, and I'm going, oh, I love this. This yeah. is so great. And, and in here, and, and expressions, the, the different instruments that are used in there and stuff. Yeah. So, so I can embrace that. But how many people try to become a champion for a certain style? Yeah. And it's, it's sort of annoying. Right. Because, you know, they just don't worship if, they, if it's that style. They just shut down. The default kicks in and they just get mad. Yeah. And it's amazing how many people do that and they don't even recognize that that's, that's an attitude issue. And I, I love our venues, but I just want people to really fully realize that it's not just about me worshiping when it's a style I like. Will I worship God with my whole heart 24-7 and then corporately in a setting I'm not comfortable in? Right. When it pushes me in a little different way. Yeah, I, you know, I have a couple of interesting, uh, you know, the, the, the edge for some of us, it's just you think that's too loud for God. He can't handle that, <laughs> you know. And then in traditions, I, you know, we think, well, traditions, I love these, these hymns. I, I'm like Pastor Barry. When I go in there, it just puts me in a great place. And I'm at home in that venue. I'm at home in the edge. I'm at home in all these venues. I really like them. But uh, it was interesting. I had a drummer come up to me and say, could you not put me in traditions? I was like, why? You know, because I mean, those guys are great. He said, it just, it for me, it takes me not in, not at home. It takes me to a place at a church in his history where he was judged, and so those songs start to bring up memories for him that don't they don't bring the same memories for me. And so you know what? That's okay. It doesn't. You know, whatever we're at home at, let's find the one we're at home at and know that God is there. Let's be a church yeah. that worships God with our whole heart. Our whole mind, corporately and individually. Wrap up thoughts. Well, I, I think the way I can wrap it up is I, I, I probably need to confess something to you and, 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 and confess to this room and even the South. But we'll just keep it between us. Right. This doesn't go out on the Internet. It does. OK, well, I'm going to confess anyway. I, you need to you need you need to know this about me as a worship leader is I love the NFL. Like, like, like football, like football, NFL. National Football League. That's all it stands for is National Football. League. I love you, you. You you don't understand what I'm trying to say here. I love the NFL. It's an important part of my being. When football season comes around, I miss the warm weather, but I embrace the fact that I get to sit inside 
for hours at a time and watch the NFL. Do you know that they put three games on Sundays? And then if you didn't get enough, which I never do, there's another one on Monday. It's an incredible beginning of my week. And, and then as, as we go on, they start putting a Thursday game and then a Saturday game. And it's just unbelievable. It's like Christmas day after day after day. Do you know how hard it is to schedule a worship night during playoff season? So you need to come to this one because there might not be one next next spring uh, or next winter. And, and, you know, there are times when I'm up here with my guitar and I'm in the middle of a song and I'm thinking, did I set my DVR correctly? <laughs> and so, as I've said ad nauseum, I love the NFL, but I still love God. But I look at this and I go, oh. That's probably not right. But you know what? That's my default. Yeah. And so what do I do? Just get rid of the, the, the NFL? No way. I love the NFL. <laughs> There's no, no. But, you know, if God asks me to, I will. But, but I love the NFL. But here is, sorry, and for you, it may not be the NFL. I can see, you know, this, not everybody's an NFL fan. Not everybody, I don't know why, but you're, you're not. <laughs> but as a, as a you know, you, you might have all these different things. You can put it right there and say, you love this. This is yeah. something that just gets you going right off the bat. That's your default. But you still love God. And so what, what this scripture is summing up is that you don't have to live here. Right. You don't have to come into this place thinking, well, this is what really gets me going. This doesn't or this worship doesn't. You can say, well, this is my reality. Yeah. And God says, take your body and point it at me. Renew your mind. And what will happen is you will begin to be transformed. And this will elevate. And we will elevate what we think of God. Let's pray together. Lord, just what a beautiful picture of how sometimes our defaults need to be readjusted. And we need to be rebooted, if we can say that word. Just start over in us. So I just ask you, just as we prepare to, to sing together one more time before we go out of here and respond to you to speak into our lives right now. And with heads bowed in here, just let, could, would you just let me probe around just a little bit? And I, I promise God's probed around in me with some of these thoughts. And this weekend has been really good for me. In our study time together, me and Pastor Terry, it's been really good because, because I found some stubborn places in me. I, I found some, some will places that I, my default wasn't as where it needed to be. And I've, I, I want to fully submit to God these things. And even offer my preferences. And so, as you think about this, would you be just open enough to maybe lift a hand if you're comfortable with that to say, I, I want to give God and others authority to speak into my life. Worship leaders that maybe I don't know, but if they say, respond to God, or let's clap our hands, or lift it up, and, and you, you won't just be rebellious. You won't just say, and it's not just rebellion. I hope you don't think that, you know, if you're not a hands lifter, that all of a sudden you're rebellious. I'm not saying that. But there's something in your will that can either say yes or no to some kind of a response in your heart. Or we're going to learn a new song and people just go, oh, great. Instead of, I wonder what this song is going to teach me about God. I wonder how I can experience this. That's where we need to go in worship. And how many of you would just yield to God first and you would just own it to say, God's talking to my heart right now about just my submission to him and being a better worshiper and and learning to go forward. Just hold it up with me. Would you just right now? God bless you so much. Lord, we say yes to you today. We say yes. We say yes in this moment that we will yield to you.
And that we will be better worshipers from our heart, our mind, our spirit, our bodies. We present our bodies. Transform us by the renewing. Change our defaults today. God, we love you for that and we we thank you so much for it. We give this to you in your mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Here's what we're going to do. In a minute, Pastor Terry's going to lead us in a great song while we receive an offering for You Count campaign. This is a love offering. We've already received our tithe and offering. This is an offering that will just put another rock against the sex trafficking issue. You guys, I want to tell you something. This is a long-term commitment we've made as a church to build a home of hope, to partner with people in northern Colorado and around the country. And we're not alone in it, but every penny today that you give goes toward making a difference. And I cannot wait until we dedicate that building outside of Kolkata, India, to know that we did something really significant that changed girls' lives forever. That will live on after you're dead, after I'm dead. It's legacy stuff. So just don't be afraid to sacrifice if you can to give in this offering under the Lord. You can make checks to Timberline Church, and we'll put it all together, and it'll go toward that cause. Okay? Thank you. And as we uh, as we give, once the tray goes by your row, feel free to stand. And, and maybe after this topic, you could press in a little bit more and just really go hungry after God for a second. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to give. We give in your name. 